the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Philanthropy SA. This is a podcast about and for the philanthropic community in San Antonio and South Texas. We introduce organizations and people who are making an impact in the community. Beneficent Financial is proud to sponsor this podcast, and it is our hope that you enjoy this conversation about the impact we can have. The goal is to edify and inspire. Now please join our host, Dan Rebman. Welcome to Philanthropy SA. This is Dan Redman, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Jim Barshop. I've known Jim a long time, and he's uh, doing a lot of great things in the community. And uh, you probably have seen the Barshop name on a building or two around town, so that's no stranger to the philanthropic world. Uh, but, Jim, you were in real estate for a while and then got into full-time philanthropy. Talk about that, uh, the kind of that path and how that worked. I appreciate you asking, Dan. I appreciate you having me on the show. I began in philanthropy when I was probably 11 or 12 years old. I loved crazy Jerry Lewis movies, and I saw him on the Jerry Lewis Labor Day telethon when I was a kid, and I said, I'm in. I'm all in. So I went around my neighborhood with an old orange UNICEF box and collected a fair amount of money and went uh, to the Red McCombs dealership where they had the local feed, and they put me on TV, and that was it. I was sold as the youngest child. I was sold for life on media coverage and getting involved with philanthropy. Philanthropy. Uh, my hero has always been Tom Sawyer, and Tom Sawyer got the other kids to paint the fence. In the very first chapter, Aunt Polly's fence needed painting. He didn't want to do the work, and he ended up convincing. And this is absolutely true that he is my superhero and has always been because he was able to influence other people to do what he didn't want to do. And so I've been doing that ever since as a volunteer and a lay leader. Uh, I sold real estate for 35 years and about five years ago determined I was, I was not excited doing that and jumped into philanthropy because I'd been doing it as a joy my whole life as a leader. Outstanding. Well, I remember those UNICEF boxes, too. I think we're dating ourselves now with those references. Um, and uh, Tom Sawyer is hero. That's We could do a whole podcast just on that. Um, but that's uh, that's excellent, and I'm, I'm glad to hear about that. And you're right. You know, he, his ability to um, – I like to tell folks that um, through philanthropy – you get the opportunity to, to influence other people and to bring more to the table than you can bring by yourself. And that's kind of what he did in a different, in a different sort of way. Um, so, so you've always kind of had this heart for philanthropy, um, you know, the, in terms of that dynamic and that kind of thing. Tell us what you're doing now and kind of what got you there to City Year. Well, I want to take a step back for a minute and talk just a little bit about some of that history. Uh, I ended up throwing really good parties. I I loved 
you know, throwing parties, and they ended up raising a lot of money. And, and I found a lot of joy in both entertaining people and then being able to ask them for money and have them help participate in the uh, the common mission that we shared with those those parties. And that's how I got to be engaged in deeply with the Jewish Community Center as its board chair. I threw good parties, basically, and raised a fair amount of money. And I continued to do that for a variety of organizations and was particularly connected to educational uh, organizations. I was very involved with Northeast School District in in doing lots of different things, uh, as well as the North Chamber of Commerce, Toastmasters, Junior Achievement, and much more. Then professionally, in the last five years, I have in, involved myself with Restore Education, a local nonprofit in the underserved community, the Northeast Educational Foundation, and currently working with City Year San Antonio. Yeah, no, those are great organizations, and you've done a lot of good work there. I like the fact that it all started with throwing good parties. People don't always think about good parties, but there's a lot of fun in philanthropy, I've found. It's a lot of uh, create, creative opportunity. It's, it is a creative opportunity to to make a difference in the world and to have people have a good experience surrounding something that is often uncomfortable, which is just raising money and asking for money from sponsors. But if you do it and you connect to their soul, you connect them to the people who are actually performing the work in programming, the students who are receiving the benefit, then people are going to want to give. And I don't like to view myself as a fundraiser. I'm involved in advancement and helping people give what they want rather than asking them for what I need. So if I make it other-centered, it makes the experience of asking and involving a lot better. Very good. Yeah, you see that term advancement. You'll also see development sometimes used um, in those, and and we may circle back and talk more about that. But uh, I really want to know more about City Year and what you're doing now and what City Year does. Um, Had the opportunity to be at that great gala you guys threw here just not too long, a couple, three months ago, uh, before it got stupid hot. And... um, you know, there's so much going on there, and y'all are serving a much, you know, filling a much needed void in uh, in the education realm. So I have always enjoyed working with people in the underserved communities, people who are in under-resourced organizations. So City Year partners with the AmeriCorps program in systematically under-resourced schools to help students thrive. We recruit, train, and place young leaders who are 18 to 25 years old into schools in San Antonio Independent School District to give a year of national service. We partner with schools throughout the United States and 29 cities across the United States to ensure that more students reach the 10th grade. So our AmeriCorps young people, we are helping them to engage on a full-time basis in five schools in San Antonio School District, elementary, middle, and high school, to work full-time in those schools to be student success coaches in math and English, English language learning, and social-emotional skills, attendance, all to help those students have a much greater likelihood to achieve graduation. That's awesome. So these volunteers come and and they're, you know, coming to to do this work. How do you identify 
you know, where they're going to be placed and who they're going to work with and that type of thing. Well, we have a really great relationship with San Antonio Independent School District, and we've been working with them for many years. So currently we're in five schools that feed into Lanier High School and Sam Houston High School. That's Carvajal Elementary and Davis Middle School and Mar Hill Elementary. And we are basically working with the school district as our primary partner who contributes 25% of our funding for us to be there, for them to have the privilege of us being involved with their students and their teachers full-time. That's great. And it's good to get that kind of buy-in from the organization because that means that you're, while you're there to help them, they're also helping themselves in that regard. And I imagine it helps on the engagement um, both from the administration side and then obviously um, the the volunteers that are the, the folks that are coming in as part of the, the city year. They're AmeriCorps folks, I think, aren't they? Yes, it's all AmeriCorps. So basically our funding model includes passing along the AmeriCorps funding. It was just in the newspapers and the media that we received $2 million in San Antonio. That is directly passed through to our now 60 AmeriCorps members that are about to start for the fall semester. And then in our local funding, AmeriCorps is a federal program, in our local funding, 25% comes from the school district, 25% comes from foundations, and the other 50 percent come from corporations, individuals, and foundations that are individually related. Gotcha. And so that's kind of your your role in that is to get those pieces together and, you know, on the individual donor side and, and work with the corporations and that type of thing, right? My, my, my goal is to engage. It's to engage our audience, our stakeholders. Our stakeholders include the school district. It includes the parents. It includes other organizations that provide service to that community, including communities in schools, junior achievement, and many more. Um, our primary engagement is to involve corporations and individuals who are philanthropists to care more about our mission and our purpose so that they'll want to be a part of it. So my job is not really just to fundraise, but to engage and involve them, just like Tom Sawyer did with all of his friends. Very good. Well, I don't know if you've accidentally convinced me to paint a fence or not, but I know I've uh, certainly uh, enjoyed watching some of the things that you've been involved with over the years. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, you do throw a great party. So uh, what I would like to do is talk some of the specifics of when you're planning an event and that type of thing. Um, you know, I'm thinking of some of the events, you know, that that I've had the pleasure of being at that you've uh, done in the past. What is it that you're thinking of? What is it that you're going through as you try to plan this and make sure that this all happens? I, I know we were talking earlier and you said something about community centricity versus donor centricity. And that really kind of, you know, hit a, you know, got me thinking about some things in a way I hadn't thought of before. There are so many nonprofit professionals with City Year nationally, locally that I've, in, uh, that I've talked to, that I've engaged with in other nonprofit organizations, and they all want to have a relationship with their donors. But they're inevitably caught up in the transactional approach to getting that next donor. And if we can get out of that mindset and get into how do we provide an experience and 
increase the closeness between the client who is ultimately served, the AmeriCorps member, the students themselves, with the donors, the more likely I'm going to be successful in helping them give what they want. They're going to connect more individually. And so that's the the type of event that I try to throw is not just a purely social party and not just a transactional ask, ask, ask. One of the things that I enjoy doing is going to lots of different galas and events and luncheons and breakfast uh, that other organizations put on, including private experiences, bar mitzvahs and weddings, and seeing how they put it all together and, and involve and engage people. And I've found that some do it better than others. And those who are doing it better are probably saying fewer words. They're really focusing on the core message. They're telling lots of stories in a media form. And then they're allowing the experience with the AmeriCorps member students, our AmeriCorps member team, and having conversation with them so they can better connect. And when we do that effectively, and don't just throw a bunch of words at them and a bunch of speeches, but we involve them in our experience, we're going to be successful. Yeah, and I noticed that you like to bring in folks like the the last event, uh, Joe Strauss was honored and that type of thing. And so you're bringing in folks like that. But you really had involvement from the volunteers themselves. You had them at the tables, sitting with the donors, and then, you know, uh, recognize them with, with various things. Is that the type of thing you're talking about on that multiple levels of engagement? Yeah, we had 45 tables at the San Antonio Botanical Center for our Ripples of Hope event back in early May. And at each of those tables was a red jacket, one of our young 18 to 25-year-old AmeriCorps members. They're really idealists who are giving up a year of their life. They're giving a year of national service to be of service to the students in under-resourced communities. So that gives the opportunity for the other guests at those tables to just interact with them. So the less we shared on screen and in front of a microphone at a podium, the more they're have the opportunity to interact together and get to know these students for what they are, these AmeriCorps members for what they are, which are young idealists trying to make a difference in their world. They're also our future leaders in San Antonio. Yeah. So let me ask you this. The you know, when I look around at the world of advancement development you know, the, the fundraising has become a crass term now, so we don't use that anymore. Um, but when we look at the, the when we look in that realm, um, how would you what would you counsel or recommend to somebody who feels like they're just stuck in this transactional model? Um, and, and how do they migrate to something that is, you know, more community-centric and, and less transactional? Many nonprofits, if they go back to their actual program work, where they can, because there are privacy issues as well, but if they can go back to their program work and somehow share that program work on a more direct level, in the worst case in a video, in the more direct case with the clients or the providers at the tables where they can share their passion, they can share their experience and how they perform the program program that is asked to being funded, the better off that everybody's going to be. Um, we do want to take a quick moment and hear from our sponsor. So we'll be right back.
Many of you out there care deeply about wanting to make an impact on the world around you. You want to help take care of the people and organizations that are important to you. And we understand that because we feel the same way. Beneficent Financial wants to help you. Our mission is to help people like you with professional, individualized financial advice achieve their objectives. Whether your financial legacy will stay within your family or benefit the community at large, we are able to help. Call Beneficent Financial today, 210-999-5511. In addition to traditional wealth management, we offer philanthropic services such as direct donations of required minimum distributions, donor-advised funds, and foundations. Call 210-999-5511 or go online to beneficentfinancial.net. Let us help you do well so you can do good. Securities offered through Momentum Independent Network, member SIPC slash FINRA. Thanks for being with us. This is Dan Redman, and I'm joined with Jim Barshop here from City Year San Antonio. And we're continuing a conversation about all the uh, things that are going on in the wild world of fundraising and uh, development and advancement. So, you know, when if someone is in, in your realm in the world of advancement development and they're kind of stuck, you know, they feel like, yeah, you know, I'm listening to what Jim's saying, and boy, that sounds great, but... You know, I it just kind of feel like I'm I'm in this constant loop of how do I get away? How do I get out of this reinforcing loop of constantly doing transactions and always saying, okay, what's going to be the next ask? What's going to be the next event? You know, the next um, you know kind of uh, appeal letter and that type of thing, and get into something that's a little longer term and deepens that relationship. So City or San Antonio is a really good example. I've been here for more than a year, and we had this wonderful opening ceremony that that shared the new AmeriCorps member team with the entire world. They were joining their teams. It was called Opening Day. It was a non-sponsored event, and about 100 people showed up to Magnolia Pancake House. It was wonderful, and it was the very first thing I did as an employee at City Year, and I was like, what a shame, what an opportunity for a larger audience to really get passionate about what we're doing. And then a few months later, we had this sponsor-centered event, this Breakfast for Champions that was held at a downtown hotel. It was breakfast. You know, it was hard to get to. People didn't want to wake up. And so what we did this year is combine those events, a general community-centric free event with food, with free barbecue, with live music, along with that sponsored event. And we're combining those events to make it a community-centered fundraiser. And that way, we're going to share our passion with hundreds of people who are curious about or who have already participated in and sponsored and supported City Year for a long time. So they're going to see this whopping celebration. They're going to have an opportunity to get to know our program, our new members, see the sparkle in their eyes, hear a few of them tell us why they chose City Year, why they chose AmeriCorps, why they chose San Antonio, and what they hope to give and to get out of it. And our 
attendees, and that's going to be parents and teachers and administrators and corporations and philanthropists and foundational organizations, including the United Way and the Area Foundation, anybody who has been engaged with City Year in the past or who is curious about what we're doing and maybe want to learn more is going to see us throw a monster party for free that they can come to. And that especially goes for new donors. And I'm going to give you an example. There's a large organization in our community who I don't want to name because I met with them this morning and they had not really been involved with City Year for for a number of years. So we visited with them and we asked them, what is it that you want to get out of this relationship? And they said, well, we want to be able to provide a specific service. It's a city service um, and and be and help the young AmeriCorps members on their way to, to where they're going in their work. Additionally, we do want to sponsor events, but we don't want to just be a sponsor. We'd like to go and bring the media in and connect the service provider, the AmeriCorps member, with this service that we are giving them. And that way, they feel valued. They're being connected to the community in a good way. So we're going to get a sponsor out of for multiple events, our Ripples of Hope in the spring and our Red Jacket kickoff coming up on October 5th at Pedrati's Ranch from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. with live music, the Royal Dukes Band. And it's a free event, free barbecue. So I hope some of the listeners will come out to this free event. We'll look up City Year San Antonio on our website and, uh, and just sign up to come to the event for free and learn more about us. Well, you had me at free barbecue. And then I'm a little upset that I'm just now hearing about the free barbecue here. That you know, but that's okay. We'll we'll talk about that once we're done with the. We're actually just beginning our marketing, Dan, and you are cordially invited along with all of our listeners. Uh, no, this is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so let's step back and talk about nonprofit sector in general. I mean, because you have had experience at other places and that type of thing. Are there any kind of themes or things that you look at? And and say that either concern you and say, wow, this is something that, you know, the philanthropic world needs to get in front of, or conversely, things that are like, wow, this is really like bodes well for the future and something that gives you a lot of hope. I, I think it connects well to what we were just talking about, community versus community centricity versus sponsor centricity, um, relational giving rather than transactional giving. So many of us have been wrapped up in transactional giving on a treadmill and uh, f- you know, getting hired and the life expectancy of a person in development in fundraising in the organizational world is not real high, it's because there's a constant churn because there is an immediate expectation to raise that $2 million or $12 million. And whether you perform or not, it, it gets on a wheel. And I think donors are just tired of that. And they, they are looking forward to a more relational approach, which is just really about asking questions rather than making an ask. Uh, they want to they get their employees involved in the program, in the programming. They don't want to just be a logo on a website that has sponsored an event. So I think that's the the it's the concerning trend and this has been going on for a long long time and only now am I really hearing um 
active focus on striving to turn a transactional organization into a relational organization and not worrying about the outcome, but worrying and focusing on the things that we are giving to our giving community, to our stakeholders who transcend the giving community to engage them in our mission. Very good. Well, at the end of the day, that's what we're all looking for, right? We're looking to see these gaps filled, right? There's areas of need. There's areas that are not getting taken care of um, necessarily through the normal course of business and government and that type of thing, and it leaves these holes. And so when we get in front of those things in a way that we can impact, you know, a young person who's in elementary school, in middle school, and that type of thing, and keep them in school longer, we know the payoff down the road in terms of less services needed, you know, either by the public sector or by, you know, just the things that happen to people when they're, when they're kind of ignored when they're young. We know what that, what that costs society down the road. And so um, I just, you know, really want to applaud what City Year is doing here um, and all the things, you know, that are going on with that. Um, we've talked about uh, community centricity versus donor centricity and the importance of donor and stakeholder uh, involvement and engagement. Um, and that type of thing. But at the end of the day, you still have the logistics of actually throwing an event. And, I mean, I've been to some of your events. That's no small feat. You, you, like you said, you throw a good party and you do. Um, what's all involved in that? What, what, you know, that's a lot of work. What, when do you see, do you ever hit a point where you say, okay, you know, we don't want to do that because it's going to be too much relative to what we're trying to accomplish here? We begin more than a year in advance, and the first thing we're trying to find is a location to meet our need based on last year's performance. So there were about 400 people at the previous year's Ripples of Hope, a spring event, and we found the location more than a year advance. Planning this early May's event, we were already looking for our 2024 event. We have found that, and so that's where it all begins is finding a location that can accommodate the need and growth in that need. Because if we're doing our job right, we're going to get 450 or 500 people there in this coming year. So the starting point is to, to get a good location and to have a purpose. What is our purpose? And as for us, what we try to do is involve our audience, to engage our audience. And so we the next thing we're going to do is to create a structure, a run of show, a program that we think will work well to engage our audience. Uh, from that, we, uh, we have a lot of logistical planning in marketing and theming in creating graphic arts. And the more advanced I am able to do that and our team is able to do that, the more successful we're going to be. If we wait till 90 days to start working on graphic arts and uh, save the date flyers and sponsorship websites, then we're in big trouble because our donors, mainly including the corporations, are really trying to make a year long commitment. So if we don't have our marketing selves together, our materials uh, that will involve them and connect them to our programs th at least a year in advance and uh, to start actively marking a particular event six, seven months in advance, that's what our donors are looking for so that they can begin to plan. They can save the date. They can talk up uh, to upstream to their decision makers to see 
how they want to spend their investment and community investment budgets for the year. So the more in advance I can involve our donors and the decision makers, the more successful our event's going to be, and it builds on its own momentum as well. When uh, smaller organizations see that we have Valero and USAA and NAJM and HEB and so many USAA and so many other organizations that really are at the table, then smaller organizations are going to have some comfort that their dollars are going to be well invested as well. Sure. So uh, and then and then it's all about detail, lots and lots of detail. What does the table look like? What do the decorations look like? How do we do it in a way that's not extravagant? Uh, the meals as well, your caterer, uh, and then the actual scripting of everything, including what our videos are going to look like. What are we trying to say? How long do we have to say it? How can we say it more impactfully without droning on? I have been to a number of events where the executive director will talk for 15 to 30 minutes, and after about four or five minutes, they've lost their audience. So I'm trying to, in in a very short order, engage our audience and then, and then let them socialize. And near the end, say, hope you had a great time. Please give to our organization to help us further our mission. And we are one of the few organizations that that are memorable. Our events are memorable because we strive to have it be a social engagement and give them a little bit of our story uh, to engage them as donors as well. Sure. And then uh, how do you handle the follow-up? So post-event, what are you doing to reach out to folks and say, hey, you know, remember us? Well, when we're doing it right, we will pre-write those thank you letters, those thank you notes. I did not do that this year. I was a little bit late in doing that. And that's noticeable as well. So I think it's important to quickly get out thank you notes to individual donors and all the participants in the event as well. Um, those who were involved in our programming who helped us put on this program, we send a thank you note as well. To sure. Joe Strauss, we we did, and to all of the participants who helped to make our event a better place, not just our donors. We wanted to say thank you and to continue to involve on at least an every 60-day basis, just informing them of how their money has been invested and what we're doing and what's coming up next. I think uh, that that is the challenge for us who gets caught on the wheel of event after event is we forget how important it is and how difficult it is to stay in touch on a meaningful basis. It is unfortunate that there is so much information coming at all of us that it's easy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, city years, were they sending us something? But if we can make it meaningful and short as opposed to a long newsletter, but maybe a piece of a newsletter, a tag, and then a video clip that connects them to it, maybe they will click clip on that click on that video clip to want to continue to engage with us. So how we engage with our donors afterwards is probably more important than the event itself. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that and I certainly can uh, speak firsthand about just the shortening of attention spans, right? And I mean it's not unique to the philanthropic world, for-profit businesses are going through the same thing in terms of in in, in the days of, you know, um, Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, how do you get somebody's attention, you know, 
quickly enough to get them engaged because they're going to be moving on whether you want them to or not. So, you know, you've got to you've got to have that moment and then be able to do that. Those are all the challenges there. So um, I want to encourage uh, anybody who wants to see a great event to uh, sneak into this one coming up in October because Jim really does it right. Um, and that's uh you know, and and that's just it's something that uh, I think if you're in the world of development and you're looking at events and that type of thing, you know, now watch you're going to have like a thousand people there, and they're all going to be uh, your peers. And just RSVP, <laughs> let us know you're coming. Get on our website. You can go to cityyearsanantonio.org. You'll find us just by googling us and uh, click on the red jacket kickoff. It's going to be a really inspirational event. It is a no cost event, and of course, we're looking for sponsors to help underwrite that. So thank you for this opportunity, Dan. No, thank you for coming here, Jim. It's great to talk to you always. Um, you were doing amazing things at City Year. City Year is uh, certainly a very worthy organization um, and something that I hope uh, our listeners will uh, pay attention to and say, yeah, that's an area that I want to get involved in. So on behalf of uh, Philanthropy SA, this is Dan Redman saying I want you to do well so you can do good. Thanks. Thank you for joining us at Philanthropy SA. We hope you found something to inspire you during today's conversation. If you know organizations and people who are making an impact in the community, we would love to hear about it. Until next time, do well so you can do good. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.